All right, folks, if you can see me, that means we are live tonight for another episode of America's Hometown Horror. And before we get started, I just want to take a moment to thank another one of our sponsors. And tonight, our episode is brought to you by DB Journey. DB Journey, in case you haven't heard, is a Scandinavian brand that makes backpacks and bags to help people on the move stay ready for anything from the streets to the peaks. DB's gear is travel tested by some of the world's best athletes, adventurers, and creators. Over the past decade, DB has designed, developed, released, and refined the best bags in the market. With DB's patented hookup system, you're able to attach smaller products to your backpack, roller, or tote bag. So however you roll, they've got you covered. We here at America's Hometown Horror Podcast are teaming up with DB to exclusively offer our listeners 10% off your next purchase by using the code POD10, that's P-O-D-1-0, or by going to the link in our show notes db journey it's time to move on and time to get going and away we go all right folks we are live on facebook and youtube for another very exciting episode tonight thank you all for uh tuning in live if anyone's out there watching and uh i, I gotta bring in my co-hosts here one by one because as always i am not alone in this podcast adventure so i'm gonna bring my co-hosts in here one by one and i'm gonna start with andrew what's up dude what's up buddy how we doing look at you look at you in all your glory you like this beautiful wave picture yeah it's, it's very nice it's almost it, it, it's uh, it reminds me of like vacation almost it's almost like this National Ge Geographic shirt kind of matters. <laughs> the only person different. I know with a National Geographic shirt, Andrew. Way to go. Way to go, my friend. All right, let's bring in our next co-host. And tonight's next co-host is Catherine. What's Hi. up, dude? Hello. Hello Good to everybody. see you. Great to see Welcome you. back. Welcome back after your two-week absence. How you been? Good. Good. Every Excellent. Yep. yep. I'm I'm fine. <laughs> awesome. Well, we missed you. We missed you, and uh, it's good to have you I back. Miss you guys too. Yes. Excellent. Well, I'm glad you're back for a very special episode, and of course, I'm going to introduce our very special guest, and uh, it's time to bring in our buddy Tony, uh, Anthony Landry from the Spooky World the Movie podcast. Uh, excuse me, Spooky World the Movie the documentary, and then also Spooky 101 the podcast. Tony, what's up, my friend? Oh man, uh, just about everything right now. Uh, yeah it's been uh there was a confluence of things that came together this past friday and the timing of this episode couldn't be more appropriate and i don't normally get nervous by these things uh, yeah. my other job i have to talk to a lot of people for the past 20 years in a public setting uh i'm kind of nervous right now because not only are we going to start putting together some incredible films for folks who aren't familiar with horror to delve into but um we actually finally have for you three special reveals tonight from Spooky World, the movie. Oh, yeah, let's do it. I am uh, super excited. And I, I have to say, I feel honored, privileged, humbled to have you do it on our show, my friend. So thank you for coming on and taking the time to do it. I know that uh, you are an incredibly busy individual. So we really do appreciate the time. Yes, uh, absolutely. I am grateful for everything that you folks have done for us at Spooky World, the movie, and we don't forget our friends. And that's an important thing. That's what David did in the 90s. He's done his whole career, and that's what we're still doing now. I love it. I awesome. love it, my friend. Excellent. 
Well, so Tony, I guess to, to kind of kick things off, you know, for, you know, obviously we know who you are, but for those who may not have listened to our interview that we did with you a few months back, uh, you yourself, um, uh, Quinn and David, why don't you tell us a little bit about Spooky World, the movie, Spooky 101, what you guys are doing and uh, what you have for us tonight, my friend, because I know you mentioned that you have some special reveals for us and I know you want to do one of them fairly shortly. So I will give the floor to you, my friend. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate it. Um, of course. So uh, we here at Spooky World, the movie, this uh, this journey started out a few years ago. Um, David and Quint, David Bernalino, the owner of the original Spooky World in Berlin, Mass, then Foxborough, uh, he had an idea about possibly documenting his journey through not only creating America's first horror theme park, but how it influenced other parks in the country. And it couldn't have been put together unless we had a brilliant mind like our director, Quinn Monahan, to put this together. And what you're going to see tonight uh, is it's going to be just a taste of what you have to look forward to. I had a chance to view this earlier this week, along with a couple of other acts in the film, and uh, my jaw hit the floor. Uh, it, it's everything we could have hoped for and more. Um, three years of blood, sweat, and very good tears. Tears of joy now are coming together. Uh, we have our podcast, Spooky 101 as well, which has been a vehicle to bring us to this moment. So now that we're here, um, I think it's time for the movie to speak for itself. But um, there's also a couple of other names that we need to talk about. We need to talk about our friend Bill Tataglia who you're going to see what he put into this film later on tonight in one of our reveals. But our reveal right now is from our good friend, Joel Robinson, who many of you know from his artwork. He has done some of the most incredible pieces of work for some of your favorite films uh, that have been reissued through Shout Factory, distributors like that. He has an unmistakable uh, artistic style. And uh, when we brought this to the table, I said, guys, we need to have Joel make the teaser and the poster for our film. So, uh, you know, why waste any more time, folks? You've been waiting long enough. We've been teasing you for a while. So uh, if you can bear with me while I just try to hover my mouse over here, I, we would like to show you the premiere of the teaser poster for Spooky World, the movie. Oh, boy. I'm so excited for this. Hold on one sec. No problem. Let me know if you need anything on my end. Let's see here. Uh... <laughs> Let's... Please pause as the minds behind this podcast work for technical difficulties. In uh, <laughs> three, two, one. Do you see it? There it is. On the front. This is the uh, long-awaited teaser poster for spooky world the movie and it is beyond uh anything i could have uh anticipated i just spoke to david today he's overjoyed at what was put together with this um i'll zoom in a little bit for you here for the nostalgia purposes um i mean you can't mistake that barn look at that beauty oh man that's awesome they even have it down to the glow necklaces that the kids in the hayride had that's awesome. 
Yeah. So awesome. That's just incredible. It just is. Just incredible. And folks are going to be wondering how v Vincent Price is incorporated into the storytelling narrative. And uh, when this came to the table earlier this year from Quinn, uh, once I saw it in action, I, I couldn't think of any other way to have the spooky world story told. Um, Vincent Price is absolutely perfect for what uh, we need story driven in this. So I, like I said, I've seen a few acts and Vincent Price uh, in the Price estate. Thank you to Victoria Price for uh, allowing us the privilege of having her late father uh, be a part of telling the, uh, the journey and the success and the triumph of Spooky World. I mean, let's be real. The price is definitely right. Like, if you want someone to tell a story, it's got to be Vincent Price. Vincent Price slams every story he has ever told. Like, Pit in the Pendulum. Every every old school movie with Vincent Price is so good. So, I love it. I think it's awesome. I, I have a feeling we might talk a little bit about Vincent Price tonight. I think we should because yeah, I think I think Tony might bring him up. So, uh, Tony, I, I know that there's some stuff that's like yet to be revealed, but for those who may not know, what can you say about the connection of Vincent Price to Spooky World? So, uh, during the storytelling phases of Spooky World, uh, one of the things I didn't realize until recently upon speaking to David is there was a, a photo that David had in his office of Vincent Price and I didn't realize it was an autograph photo and it was just before David embarked on creating Spooky World from the uh, Berlin Fun Farm all the way up to uh, the ongoing legacy of Spooky World. Um, he met Vincent Price and Vince, he told Vincent Price of his endeavor and he absolutely was the wind beneath his wings on this. So uh, the Vincent Price uh, impact is felt across the board everywhere and especially in spooky world. And I think that that motivation that it gave David helped push it to what it is today. Sorry, my mic was muted. That's that's awesome. That's great to hear. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Otis. Like He's like, yeah. Otis, yeah. my man. Otis, my man. So yeah, don't mistake the uh, dog barking for a lack of professionalism. It's just uh, the fact that we record from our, our home studio here. And uh, Otis, our dog, always likes to chime in because he is as passionate about horror as we are. Follow him at the Spooky Hound Dog on Instagram. He always likes to uh, interact with his fans on Instagram, I must say. So uh Wow. We are off to a great start here. And I, I know it's it's only going to get better. So I feel like, uh, you know, before we kind of jump into the rest of the reveals that you have for us, Tony, I mean, why don't we just jump right into the topic that we have here tonight? So I know we teased this uh, with our announcement that we were going to go live on Facebook and YouTube, but we wanted to talk about gateway horror movies tonight. This is a topic that we kind of started brainstorming uh, probably about a month or so ago when we uh, all met up. Uh, down in America's hometown, had a nice time and uh, bopped around, had a couple drinks, had a nice little Sunday fun day. And I, I just think it's important to note and kind of, you know, obviously we're all crazed horror fans, horror fanatics, right? Not everybody is like that. So I think it's, 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 it's important that there are some people out there that aren't as well versed in horror movie lore as we are. And with Halloween coming up, I mean, we are... <laughs> 
less than a week away from October, which is fucking insane to say out loud. I can't believe that. Pardon my language. I can't, but like, where did the summer go? Where did September go? Now we're about to be in October. Uh, so we came up with the idea of each picking a subgenre of horror or genre, as Alex Trebek would say, rest in peace. And uh, listing some of our essential films for someone that may be new to the horror scene. And uh, so Tony uh, is going to talk about classic horror films. Kat is in, in uh, you know, in her specialty, going to talk about slasher movies. Andrew's going to talk about some deep cuts for you. So if you are, if you are a horror fan, you're listening to this, there may be some films that Andrew lists that you may not have seen before. And then in... Typical Mike fashion. I'm going to talk about uh, creature features, monster movies, because that's what I'm all about. So, uh, Mike is a creature, so not what's that? I said you're Say a creature. So we're not surprised. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Not at all. Not at all. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's also before we get going here, it's important to note. And, you know, I, I know at least for me, Tony, I'm sure Andrew, Kat, you guys feel the same. Um, many of these films that I'm going to talk about tonight hold a nostalgic feel for me. Uh, I was brought up to be a horror fan from a young age uh, by my dad, who probably showed me a lot of these movies way younger than I ever should have seen them. And that <laughs> has influenced my fandom and my uh, demented mindset to this day. Uh, so shout out, Dad, if you're watching. I, I think he actually is. Uh, so, yeah, there, there, there's definitely a nostalgia here. I don't know if any of you guys want to talk about that at all, but that's just something that I thought about when we were thinking about these movies tonight. Tony. Yeah, I uh, it, honestly, I think that the uh, the seeds for this were planted when I, I was able to sit down with you folks uh, finally to meet you in person in August. And, uh, you know, I, my better half isn't really uh, never really was a horror fan. And I mean, look at the world that she's now dropped into. Like, <laughs> like how do you teach that? So, um, you don't force things upon people. You're like, hey, if if you want to to delve into it, I think that the the little cheat sheet we're making for folks, those seeds were planted just from our personal lives, our friends. And I think that the good thing about this episode is it's something you can just be like, hey, if you don't know anything about it and you're curious, here, click on this episode. And I, I think that um, I'm by no means any expert and I will never claim to be. Um, but what I see in this is... a I like the spooky world movie, a walk down memory lane. And uh, it also opened some doors up to nostalgic moments of uh, your childhood. Like I remember growing up the, uh, the genre that the sub genre that I'm doing today, uh, I remember getting the, the, the universal monster toys before I ended up seeing the movies, you know, like it was that much pop culture. You'd get the vinyl costumes, things like that. So we're going to be opening those doors for you today. And, you know, I hope that this is something that, people can revisit and hand down generation to generation from some of the films we're recommending. Well said. I, I couldn't have said it better myself. And I, I completely agree. Uh, before we get into all of our movies tonight, I should actually, you know, as, as we are live on Facebook and YouTube, I would encourage you, if you are watching, uh, this is an interactive show, please do write in with questions and we will do our best to answer them all for you. Uh, we do have a question that popped in. Tony, I feel like this is probably a, a good one for you. You might be able to see it down uh, on the bottom of the screen here, but it comes in from Rick Cook. Uh, I have a question for all of you. Who built the Reaper mascot on the side of the Horror Museum? And I'm assuming he means at the original Berlin Park uh, for Spooky World. Tony, do you know who did that? 
Uh, it, it's a more of a matter of who didn't do it. Uh, that's what we're running into with a lot of the spooky world movies is there were so many hands in that. Um, we have at least four or five people that we knew did build outs there. So I'm pretty sure that everybody grabbed a bucket of plaster and uh, helped create that because I do know for a fact that that was one of those, um, if you go on YouTube and do deep dives about spooky world in Berlin, and I know that a lot of folks have been visiting there lately, even though it's not there, uh, the spirit's there, but the park itself isn't. And one of the last vestiges of the park was that Reaper on the side of the museum. And sadly, I believe last year, um, it, it was so well installed in the side of the building that somebody, tr they were trying to sell it off. I believe I was told, and the person was literally ready to pick it up when he pulled up there and it was in pieces because the plaster was so built onto the building. Um, so honestly, who did it? Um, you're just going to have to wait and tune into the movie. That is what they call a professional tease right there, my friend. That is what they call a professional <laughs> tease. I love it. I love it. So good question, Rick. And uh, I think without further ado, we should probably jump into our topic here. And Anthony, uh, with you being our guest, why don't you kick us off with your first classic horror movie that you feel is essential for someone trying to get into horror? Away you go, my friend. Well, I'm afraid that I may scare people off with this one because still to this day, <laughs> Nosferatu uh, is incredibly chilling uh, with such little uh, they were able to put into the film. Um, so Nosferatu, uh, the very first vampire film ever made. Um, you cannot forget the incredible uh, role of Count Orlok, uh, played by Max Schreck. Um, that is one of the most haunting iconic figures in all of movie history um, we also have to remember that um, this movie and dr caligari uh, gave birth to uh, the mainstream tapping into and borrowing heavily to this day of german expressionism um, which uh, i think that most horror movies still and most films still incorporate it to this day in a lot of their storytelling because it's so effective um, you know I think what's more scary to people is what lies underneath as opposed to what's on the surface and German expressionism with the distortion and things like that um, really, really make things chilling. And uh, some of the special effects in that were just absolutely incredible for the time. But I think that if we dig back further um, into how films like that were made, um, a lot of people don't know that in Germany after World War One that they had to pay reparations. Um, so before the country went into bankruptcy or lost all their money, a lot of folks were taking their savings and spending money. So the German government, which was hemorrhaging money, decided to put money into filmmaking. One of them was with Max Schreck and uh, Count Orlok in uh, Nosferatu. Uh, and I mean, the, the amazing thing about that is, uh, you know, how many copycat films were made? I mean, you can look at it because it's going to play right into my next film, uh, which we'll talk about in a moment. But uh, it, it still to this day resonates and not a word is uttered in that film. It's a silent film uh, to know that what you saw in the celluloid could resonate that far over 100 years later is incredible. I think the fact that it's a silent film, it, it, it just it brings it to a different level. 
I feel like nowadays that concept is so wild and crazy to most film audiences to, to be able to envision a film that doesn't have any audio. So I think that that brings it to a different level. And, and for my money, I think Nosferatu uh, is the scariest portrayal of a vampire ever put to film, in my opinion. Andrew, what about you? Um, not necessarily on the same level. Like that movie is terrifying and it's well done. Um, I'm curious, Anthony, I can't remember the name of this movie. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It was, uh, it had uh, uh, Malkovich, John Malkovich, Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe, yes. And Shadow was, of the Vampire. Was the creation of Nosferatu. Have you seen that? That's what I was going to, that oh, was yeah. my last bullet point on it. Uh, I thought that movie was really well done. I got to bump into John Malkovich out accidentally a couple of years ago at SOA in Boston. He was shopping and I, I immediately, one of the, you know, I mean, we can talk about being John Malkovich, all this laundry <laughs> list of stories, but um, Shadow of the Vampire yeah. is one of my favorite uh, reflections of making that film. And it actually made that film more terrifying to me because William Defoe in that was outstanding. Oh, amazing. That movie is absolutely terrifying for like a recreation of what the movie's supposed to be. I the, thought that movie Will, was awesome. Highly Willem, underrated. Willem Dafoe looks like a vampire in yeah, real he, life. He's a goblin. He's a green goblin. And uh, yeah, this is, this is why I never excelled at yoga. <laughs> Tony, have you heard, by the way, that, uh, that, they are doing a potential remake of Nosferatu with Robert Eggers, who did uh, The Lighthouse and also The Witch. Supposedly, that is uh, that that is his upcoming film. He's got one film that's coming out, I think, next year. But after that, it's supposed to be a, re a remake of Nosferatu. And I, I feel like a, it's in, it's it's in good hands with him. I think. I hope so because um, some of my favorite films are remakes, and uh, I don't know. I, like there's some that I, I think about and I'm like, absolutely not. I put my foot in the ground. One of them you're going to talk about later. I put yep. my foot in the ground that should never be remade. But Lighthouse, hmm, that um, I may actually watch that one. Have you seen The Lighthouse yet? Yes, from your oh, recommendation. What, what a wild film that is. <laughs> a little bit. A little oh, bit. yeah. Yeah. Well, Go back and listen to our episode, The Lighthouse, if you haven't listened yet. Yeah, please uh, do, it's, folks. It's, it's, it's a wild movie. <laughs> By the way, the, I, the, this podcast has guided me through, I don't know how many commutes to and fro work, getting out of the shower. I absolutely love what you folks do on a side note. So oh, thank you for what you put together. Thank and, you so much, Tony. <laughs> so so kind of you to say. Thank you very one much. More, one more bullet point about this. Sure. Um, so... F.W. Murnau, I'm looking at my notes here because, I mean, I'm doing 5,000 things nowadays and I live <laughs> off of my notes. Um, the Head of Janus uh, was a film that F.W. Murnau, the director of Nosferatu, made shortly after. And uh, basically, it's uh, The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Um, in that film was Bela Lugosi before he played Dracula. So literally there like you can connect the dots like most of our films you can it's the 6 degrees of separation we'll be able to play that game all day today. So yeah, um please Nosferatu put it on your list. It has to be one of the first ones you see. All right, Nosferatu, our first film in the realm of classic horror. Thank you very much, Tony. I love it.
Love it. Golf clap, golf clap indeed. And congrats to the United States on winning the Ryder Cup today. I have to say, because I'm an old man and I watch golf. So, with that being said, Gato, it is your turn. Why don't you talk to us a little bit about slasher films in general and right. give us your first so, essential slasher film? Yeah, away you I go. Mean, so, um, just a quick, you know, synopsis of slasher films. It's a subgenre of horror films um it's usually a serial killer who uses bladed tools duh um a lot of their the peak of the slasher films was between like 1978 and 1984 given like maybe till the 90s ish and included uh texas chainsaw massacre black christmas halloween friday the 13th nightmare on elm street children's oh sorry child's play my bad um Candyman, Scream, and I know what he did last summer. That's kind of like the basis of the uh, slasher genre, genre, if you will. Um, I would say my favorite classic slasher movie within the slasher genre is Scream because it's like the basic, obvious choice to do for any I knew it movie <laughs> i know i was like we've already talked about this on our podcast and stuff but it it really is i mean it follows all of the things like even like um when i was a kid it was like something that i just grew up with and like you know the the main character slash like most famous person who was on this title was drew barrymore and she got killed in the first like 15 minutes of the movie it was crazy. And so it just started off being so gory and so gruesome. And it um, it just became the classic slasher film. So that's the first one I'm going to talk about. But um, also, they really focused on, usually slasher films focus on the actual murderer versus the, or the villain versus the protagonist. But Scream really focuses on Sidney Prescott, who's the protagonist like through the entire movie. So it's kind of interesting how they do that versus like looking at the actual villain for it. It's, it's a different take on it, but um, I love this movie. It's just so classic. Like even Randy, like, I mean, you guys know how Randy like says like, you don't know the rules. Like, so you can't drink and you can't have sex and you can't have this. And he is like, told, it's, it's like it's such a classic scene where you're just like, these are the rules of like any horror movie. It's awesome. Like it's just, it makes me so happy to see this whole like scary movie, you know, breakdown of the, I don't know. It's just a nostalgic thing that I've had since I was like in high school. So of course, of course. <laughs> and I, for one, I knew that absolutely this was going to be your first choice because I know of how course. much, how near and dear this movie is to your heart. And yeah, Sc Scream is a classic. I mean, obviously directed by the late great Wes Craven, Wes, yeah. Wes Craven and it, it kind of got a reputation for being one of the first horror movies to kind of be aware of other horror movies and know the, like you said, Cap, the rules of other horror movies, which I think was a unique thing in the late '90s when there was a lot of, and you know, say what you will about '90s horror. Some people love it. Some people hate it. There weren't exactly a lot of, you know, I guess, influential movies coming out at that time. And Scream is obviously one of those movies that is the opposite of that, breaks the mold. And I think it, you know, right. kind of carved out a reputation, carved out a franchise. 
an iconic villain. And obviously, you know, we did a final girl draft on our show a few weeks back. Sydney yeah. Prescott is a is a great character, and I think that that's one of the things that Craven does well in that movie is he draws out he 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 creates good characters, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, the whole I loved how like even that whole scene where like Randy breaks down and he's like, "You can't do like you can't have sex," and everyone's like, "Big no, no, big no, no," and like it's just this great like awesome like scene where he just says these whole things and everyone's just kind of like okay don't drink and everyone's like cheers like it's it's awesome like it just really defines the whole i'll be right back i love that I was, you took the words right about matthew little it's so awesome like it's just yeah. great and you see like rose mcgowan and like the like <laughs> garage door and you're like oh my god but at the same time you're like you said you'd be right back. Like, I don't yeah. know. Like, <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I love I love Screen as a classic slasher movie. It's perfect. Yep. Tony, Andrew, any thoughts on Screen before we uh, move along? Actually, um, I would dare to say that Scream kind of saved slashers. Um, I think Wes Craven came out of pseudo-retirement. He did New Nightmare, I think, two years before that. And I think New Nightmare was absolutely amazing. But slashers in and of themselves were on life support. We're coming off of the Halloween franchise getting tossed around from studio to studio. Uh, What? They were in the middle of the drought there after part six. Um, Friday the 13th. Boy, um, what we had uh, the Jason's final nightmare or the, 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 the final Friday. That's what it was called. I mean, you know. For mainstream slasher films, I think that Scream brought it back because it was so self-aware. And I think that Wes Craven um, made a a little love letter to slasher films. And at the same time, you know, keeping a little tongue in cheek. But he made a compelling whodunit. It was like a slasher met Clue. Um, That's how it came off to me. So, um, yeah, amen to that. I I would put Scream up there, too. Thanks. I appreciate that. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. All right, Andy, my boy. So we're going to roll into Deep Cuts with Andrew. Deep Cuts well, with I, Andrew. That could be its own I, podcast, I feel like. Deep Cuts with Andrew. That would be that could be its own thing. So why don't, why don't you tell our, our audience here what qualifies as a deep cut and then go into your first movie. I will give you the floor, my friend. I will um, get into deep cuts real quick just by talking about uh, cats slasher movies. I'm not a fan of slasher films. I find them to be boring. They just there's nothing to them. They're just basic, and they don't give me that thrill. Um, having said that, uh, I, I think there'd be a good idea for a Jason movie. It would be like a, a western version of a Jason movie where it's like. Um, Unforgiven mixed with like Friday the 13th might be kind of cool. But aside from that, a, a deep cut from Andy. Um, it's, that's it's already been movie. done. It's a movie called Bone Tomahawk, if you've never seen that. I haven't seen that, but that that's sounds very awesome. good. Watch it. Uh, Kurt Russell's in it. He's a stud. He'll come up later. Go ahead, Andrew. Sorry. Anything with Kurt Russell, especially if he's in a thing, obviously. Uh, good movie. But um, a deep cut for Andy is uh, a movie that it's like the antithesis of Scream, essentially. 
That's all. I mean, that's all it is. There's no difference. And that's that's totally fine. I, I think honestly, I think what makes our show very good, you know, if I do say so myself, is the fact that we do have a diverse, uh, a diverse, you know, interest in horror movies, as well, as is exemplified by tonight. So, yeah. Yeah, that's the main thing. Is like, Cat loves all these awesome movies, and I'm like. I don't like those movies. They bore me. And I like just weird movies. Like to me, a good horror movie is a movie that is uh, just, just make me feel uncomfortable. I want to feel super uncomfortable the entire time I'm watching this movie. And if you do that, then you've hit a low because that's a whole different level that can't be like, there's few movies that can do that. So for me, an Andy pick or whatever is the Andrews picks or the deep cuts are just movies that make me feel super uncomfortable. Okay. Got it. So what's your first one? Uh, so I'm going to start, I guess I'll start, start in the way back. Uh, so 1978, it's a movie called Magic. Uh, it stars Anthony Hopkins and he plays a, like a stand-up comedian that has, finds no success, but he's also a very uh, talented, like ventriloquist. So he ends up getting into a good deal of su success uh, based off the fact that he is a good ventriloquist. And um, the scary part of this movie is that eventually his uh, puppet or whatever you want to call it takes over his thoughts and does, and uh, he basically does what the puppet wants him to do. It's like uh, he's pulling the strings. So very, very unsettling movie. Anthony Hopkins is awesome. It's 1978. So it's got very minimal, like there's no special effects to this movie it's just great it's grainy it's grindy it's perfect to me so and you have sir anthony hopkins which i feel like is a a, a, a big I get feel, I feel like nobody talks about this movie anthony hopkins is a great actor and nobody talks about magic and this movie is fucked and people need to watch this movie I mean, I, I, I can't lie. I, I have never seen this movie, so I have to go back and check it out. Do you know if it's streaming anywhere in case people do want to watch it? I mean, I'm, uh, I think it was on Amazon. I doubt Kat's seen this movie. Anthony, maybe it's, maybe you've seen this movie? I have I, seen it. No. That's yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. I saw Crazy in the 90s on VHS, and uh, – it was absolutely amazing because you know I'm I'm in my teens at that point and I'm saying this is one giant metaphor for working for an employer, you know what I mean? So it it was incredible. Uh, I loved it, and um, I never looked at Howdy Doody or Pumpets the same way. Yeah, it, like we got those. Um, you got the uh, Twilight Zone version with the puppets, yep. and like this is like the beginning to that feeling that just. There's nothing scarier than being just manipulated by another human being, especially if you're being manipulated by the puppet. Like to me, that's that's terrifying. And Anne Margaret was outstanding in it too. So I was actually just going to say I, I just got a a message from my dad, who is a big fan of this movie, and uh, he also mentioned Anne Margaret. So uh, dad, thanks for listening. And uh, love that. Go go go. Uh, based on the Mike Walsh senior recommendation, and watch Magic with Anthony Anthony Hopkins and Anne Margaret. Good call, Andrew. Good call. It makes me feel really good that someone else. Is <laughs> That's the. I haven't seen it right yet. There. I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen it yet. 
All right, so I guess that means we're on to me, uh, and we're going to talk some monster movies, so strap in for that. And the first movie that I'm going to talk about is one that is uh, you know, near, near and dear to my heart. I think this movie is probably one of, if not the greatest Carpenter movie. I mean, it's, it's up for debate, right? Because, I mean, Carpenter has had a, a gigantic legacy of films including Halloween, but I'm going to talk about The Thing here tonight. And The Thing, obviously, Anthony, we uh, we talked about this before. The Thing is a remake of a movie called The Thing from Another World. It came out in the 50s, I think. It was a Howard Hawks film. Um, but I have a Mount Rushmore of horror movies that I consider to be perfect films. I have five of them. I know that Mount Rushmore has four movies. Don't at me, all right? Uh, two of the five movies that are on this Mount Rushmore of mine we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, three of them, actually. Uh, the other two that I can mention without spoiling everything else are Halloween and The Shining. But The Thing, I think it's just a perfect combination of characters, practical monster effects, music, cinematography, gore, tension, Andrew's background sounds, the whole nine. <laughs> uh, all the practical effects were dub done by Rob Bottin, Um, and I, I think that kind of you know gave him a legacy of, of being one of the best practical effects artists in the business. Uh, it's definitely not a movie that you want to watch after eating. And I, I think, with that being said, you probably don't want to watch this movie, uh, you know, before eating, after eating, anything like that. And as we talked about before, it has Kurt Russell, who's a stud, absolute stud, uh, you know, playing R.J. McCready. The cast is awesome. I, I think, honestly, there's a, there's a cast of characters in this movie, a bunch of actors that were in roles that you've seen before. A lot of like those guys, you see them, you're like, oh, my God, I know that guy from this. I know this guy from this. And they're all great. Uh, Keith David, Kurt Russell, a bunch of other people that I probably can't remember all the names right now because it's a live stream and I'm nervous. And I think it's probably up there with one of the best horror remakes of all time, alongside the likes of like Cronenberg's The Fly, uh, Fede Alvarez's Evil Dead that came out a few years ago, Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead, uh, George Romero's The Crazies, It, uh, the new one that came out, Cat. I know how much you love the miniseries. I don't want to hear about it. And then also uh, Let Me In, which is a remake of Let the Right One In. I think this movie is probably at the, the peak of all the horror remakes, in my personal opinion. Um, and I think what essentially makes a very good monster movie is not only the monster itself, but if you can create a scenario where the movie would be good if the monster is not in it, and then you add the monster in, that is the success. That is the recipe for success, I should say. And I think what Carpenter does here, and, and you know, there's a lot of ways that this has been analyzed. People have said it's a metaphor in the 80s for the AIDS epidemic, a metaphor for Cold War paranoia. But the sense of paranoia that Carpenter builds in this movie really sets this apart from other monster movies, in my opinion. And, you know, Carpenter does a great job of slowly pitting all of these men against each other over time. And there are just so many iconic scenes. I, I can't even name them all, but I mean, just to name a few, right? Uh, of course, the blood test scene. 
that is probably the best scene in the entire movie. Tony, I see you reacting there. What do you, that scene, right? Oh my God. So, um, I mean, I'm not going to put my it, phone and vibrate here. Car Carpenter is, is, uh, if you couldn't tell by what's going on in the background here, uh, Carpenter is my, uh, one of my favorite all-time directors uh, in my top three easily. And uh, the Absolutely. thing. I'm with you, Tony. Yeah. <laughs> Facts. And um, by the way, um, pe people think he's crabby and he's far from it. I had a chance to meet him a few years ago. Delightful, wonderfully engaging gentleman. And his music is top notch. But what brings me to this too is his music. Because we all know Carpenter makes all of the music for his films. The thing is an exception. He actually got a legend uh, from, if you've ever listened to The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, uh, any spaghetti western, Ennio Morricone. Yeah. Ennio, Ennio Morricone, as they say. Huh? Is that how you pronounce it? I don't want to mispronounce that. Sorry, as I dropped mm -hmm. off for a second here. I don't know what technical difficulties. Pardon me. And I mean, it, that's. I think that the, the genius to Carpenter is, if it makes any sense, uh, is complexity with uh, simplicity. Uh, if that makes any sense, uh, because that the Halloween theme and uh, the thing theme are just this heartbeat, basically. And it's just yeah. this underlying dreading pulse boom, that boom. permeates throughout the film. And you're waiting. It's like a dread. And the thing is just it, it's in my top five horror movies of all time. Easily. That film yeah. was brilliant. And I mean, you want to talk about a time capsule film? That test isn't too different than what's going on right now. Right? Dare to say Carpenter predicted the future, huh? <laughs> that is it. No, no. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. But I think we're all having the uh, the same reactions being tied to the chairs. Get yeah. me out of this fucking thing. <laughs> Gentlemen, I know we've all been through a lot. But if I could ask you a favor, I'd like to not spend the rest of my life tied to this fucking couch. <laughs> it's still another another good point from Mike Walsh Sr. I forgot Wilford Brimley in the thing, obviously. Diabetes. Mm -hmm. Wilford Brimley. It is. It goes we bananas. Lost, we lost him this year. Another yeah. uh, legend gone too soon. Yeah. Um, Pour one way, absolutely. Hold yeah. On, I got cheers. My, I, got, cheers. I got my coffee. Yeah. Cheers to Wilford Brimley. Yeah. Uh, by the way, folks, um, I'm looking at the comments, and I see that the uh, the creator of Spooky World is in here commenting. Excellent! I Big love fan of Andrew's it. Book. Awesome! I, uh, I I I dropped off, so I might not see some of the comments. I I did see one before I dropped off. Before we get into our next round of movies, um, I apologize to whoever asked the question because I can't see it anymore. But I know somebody asked if there was going to be. Uh, reprints of Spooky World t-shirts. Uh, Tony, can you comment on that at all? I know there's some surprises you want left out, but... Um, we're a fan of... Uh, I mean, we, we have one of the most genius people of marketing on the face of the planet who founded Spooky World. So uh, I'm sure that David is not averse to uh, making a t-shirt or two or three or four hundred or hats and koozies and things like that. So... Rick, you have to stay tuned to uh, our page, into our social media, into uh, something else we're going to reveal later. Um, and uh, I'm pretty sure you're going to be able to uh, spend all of your money on our on our site. So keep your eyes open. Excellent. 
Excellent. All right. So, Tony, with that being said, why don't you give us your next classic horror film that you want to talk about? Okay. Um, I wanted to do uh, – you have to have Universal Monsters. I mean, it's it's not just horror. It's pop culture. They're, they were everywhere through – I think that even if you go back and – if, you, if you're lucky enough to have a great-grandparent around right now, then you're going to be able to see uh, some version – of a universal monster whether it be dracula the mummy or my pick i originally wanted to do bride of frankenstein but i need to get you there so i picked frankenstein um james wally um absolutely brilliant and again picking that german expressionism to uh weave into it um it's like who's the monster in the film i think that's the ultimate thing um but, and this also leads us to women in horror. Mary Shelley. Uh, this deviates from her book, but her book, without this woman's book, we wouldn't have this. I, I think that Frankenstein was, uh, and I love Dracula, but Frankenstein was the horror movie at Universal. I think it carried more weight than, uh, than Dracula did, and that's no disrespect to Bela Lugosi. But um, look at what Karloff did out of this. The very next year, he did The Mummy. And then after that, Wally wanted to continue the uh, the story uh, for Bride of Frankenstein, which was more true to Mary Shelley's story um, than Son of Frankenstein. It pretty much launched the sequel market. I think that Universal was the sequel market long before we had a one, a part two, part three at the end of every film. They had a different name for each iteration of it. Um, but... Uh, my God, uh, it's alive. How many different things is it's alive mentioned in? Uh, Kirk Hammett, uh, when we had a chance to see his traveling horror collection exhibit uh, up at the PBD Essex Museum in Salem a few years ago, that was his tagline. It's alive. That was the name of the exhibit. Um, yeah, I think that Universal Monsters and Frankenstein uh, have to, have to. And the best part is, any age can watch it, any age. And what my favorite character in the long run from that film has got to be uh, Baron von Frankenstein, just for the comedic value in that. He was absolutely brilliant. I love it, and I mean, as a fan of as a fan of Universal classic monsters, I'm I'm so happy that you brought this up because I watched all these movies as a kid. Um, I grew up watching a bunch of black and white films at my grandparents' house. Uh, my grandfather is not a horror fan at all, but he would uh, put on like Abbott and Costello, Meet Frankenstein, like those types of movies. So I, I definitely feel you on the, uh, you know, the viewing experience there. But I mean, Frankenstein is so iconic in so many ways. It's be been redone a million times, but I, this, this, there's no more iconic version of Frankenstein, aside from maybe Mary Shelley's original story than the one with Boris Karloff. I mean, it, it's just, th there's no comparison. And it went on to spawn a bunch of sequels, create a bunch of characters. You have the Bride of Frankenstein, and it's just so iconic. And it's just, it's something that Universal justifiably still leans into these days. And, uh, you know, at, at their theme parks, in the movies, there's actually, uh, actually, I've heard 
that James Wan is doing a new take on Frankenstein uh, for Blumhouse and Universal. So the legacy of Frankenstein lives on for sure. Kat, Andrew, any thoughts on uh, Frankenstein? Um, I love Frankenstein. Just in general, just as Frankenstein is a monster, like I love the references to Frankenstein and pop culture, like Seinfeld, they've referenced Frankenstein when Kramer's babysitting and he does the, the of weird. Course you're like That's the best. That's so So I'll I'll preface this. I'm not a classic movie monster freak because I got involved with horror a lot later in life. So those classic, iconic, you got Dracula, Frankenstein, the mummy. Wolfman, Creature from the Black Lagoon, Phantom of the Opera. But I don't have any sort of like ties to those, which is why my picks are kind of always off the rails. But I do appreciate them for who they are, and I appreciate their appearances in pop culture throughout it and like that that's all i'm that's all i was trying to say like and i think it's important to know too and tony i think you you touched on this but like these movies saved universal from bankruptcy back in the 1930s because they were cheap they were cheap to make and they were very profitable so that's essentially what turned universal into a profitable movie company and now here we are You know, almost a hundred years later, and these characters have such a lasting legacy. So Frankenstein is an essential. If you have not seen Frankenstein, oh my God, it's great. The last scene alone where Frankenstein is trying to make friends with that little girl and he's trying to be good and it doesn't actually doesn't exactly work out well. See you later. Heart, heartbreaking scene. Heartbreaking. Well, so let's let's talk about that right now quickly. Yeah. Um there's a new Halloween movie coming out, right? Yes. All right. And what sure is. how 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 did how did that movie in 2018 end? Uh in a fire. Yeah. In a fire, the yeah. monsters uh at bay. And guess what happens uh in this new one, which I'm Blumhouse has done nobody any favors when it came to just hiding the whole plot of this movie. First thing we oh, saw months ago was Michael Myers coming out of the fire, right? So yep. at the bride bride of Frankenstein very beginning what happens the the monster comes out of the fire so yeah. very much that template was made and um a couple of quick points um you brought up about how uh universal nearly went up to bankruptcy uh, james wally was initially uh signed on to do uh war films uh and he just didn't want to do it and when he read mary shelley's thing he's like maybe i can adapt this to uh, to the Lemelies because they were very tight. Um, so he, this, it was kind of by accident that uh, James Wally brought this uh, to life. And uh, if you've seen God and Monsters, I couldn't recommend that any more highly about his life. Uh, please, just like the last one, um, Shadow of the Vampire. Now we've got God and Monsters. These movies were so impactful that they literally made a, a dramatized version of these films 70 so, years later you're speaking to me essentially on this because i prefer like the documentary style like version of how that movie was made so for me like frankenstein's awesome dracula's awesome you got these classic movie monsters but i prefer like those weirder like just 
where the story came from movies. So for me, those are the movies I want to hear about. I I'm glad that you brought that up. Mm -hmm. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. It's awesome. I love it. And, and folks, uh, I just want to give some late breaking news here. Um, I hate to be the bearer of bad news to Rick cook, but as of right now, there are no plans for t-shirts. So. Oh no, that's too bad. You make our own. Hey, tell, tell, tell David, he might want to rethink that, but Hey, I guess we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Yo no, yo no say. Yeah. All right, Kat, give us your next essential slasher movie, please. Um, so we ended up with um, Scream, and the um, we'll say the final girl was Sydney Prescott, where we can roll into the not so so Sydney Prescott was the not so typical final girl, where they focused on her so much because they didn't focus on the villain as much as they focused on the protagonist. But the more typical final girl would be Laurie Strode, which would be from Halloween. Um, woo, 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 woo. As like so, Halloween um, is my next uh, slasher movie that I would like to kind of touch upon very briefly. I mean, we've already done Halloween and everything. Everyone's seen it; it's fine. I'll give you ninety Absolutely. minutes. Say that again. I'll give you ninety minutes. Go. <laughs> All right. So, um, obviously, Laurie Strode is a typical final girl. Um, she's a virgin. She's the good girl, etc. Um, Carpenter actually denied that he was writing sexually active teens to be victims in favors of like this whole final girl survivor thing. But in the same sense, like so many other people copied it. So, I mean, it was definitely a theme at that point in time of the whole rules thing. I mean, that was kind of the way that it was going with slasher films. Um, obviously the other huge piece is um michael myers who is one of the most iconic villains like slasher villains of all time who you know has the crazy face that every like the iconic face that everyone remembers he has that whole like swagger kind of just strut about him like as he goes about his victims he never runs like he it, it has every component of a slasher movie you could ever need like that's it's the basic one that you go to i mean i don't know i don't really even know how much to elaborate on it besides like i feel like why wouldn't you mention that right i mean <laughs> so, i mean go ahead i was gonna say um beyond that there's one uh trivia question that i had so um the one question i have for all of you is how many movies in the Halloween series is Michael Myers in? Three. He's in three. No, Andrew, that's incorrect. I don't think you know, it's, eight or, it's like eight or nine. Eight or nine that's, now. That's very Tony knows. Three is three is just wrong. But okay. Tony knows. Let's defer to our guest here. Tony, let's let's go. Would that be? Would that be all of them? No. Except no. Season of the Witch. Actually, no, he has appeared in Season of the Witch. Yeah, he's in Season of the Witch. In the he, movie. Was in, he was in yeah. Season of the Witch. Doc, Dr. Chalice was sitting at the bar having a drink. Yep. The yep. advertisement yep. for Halloween the movie came on, on with Michael Myers running down yep. the stairs. And he, and he said, turn this crap off. Uh, and I couldn't agree more with Dr. Chalice. My man. <laughs> it's got to be at least eight, Catherine. If you if you're counting the current sequels, 
I was going to say nine. the only one he was not in was Season of the Witch. But if mm-hmm. he's in Season of the Witch, he's then he's in Season of the Witch. He is in Season of the Witch for a second, well, yeah. Uh, no, I'll, I'll honestly... I mean, it's not I'll, allow, I'll allow that. Technically, if you want to be technical, he's not in it. He's yeah. on the so... Cat, I th- th- look. I uh, Halloween isn't for everybody, but but for those who it is for, they love it. They embrace it. You spend ridiculous amounts of money on useless crap that when you write your will out, you go, "Who the hell is going to take this from me?" Right. So, uh, and how are they going to like look at me? I'm like, I'm I'm like lucky to have a girlfriend with half the crap on my house. <laughs> so I'm like, how does this work? But at the same time, um. You were absolutely right. Um, the best part about this film is nearly zero blood. It was all timing, yeah. lighting, suspense. Dean Cundy was the MVP of that film. Um, the the lighting in that is perfect to the point where they go out of their way now to replicate it. Um, from what I'm hearing in the new Halloween movie, they're literally saying, go to Dean Cundy's playbook. Dean Cundy did the thing. He did Big Trouble in Little China. Uh, it's absolutely mind-blowing just how much they did on such a small budget what was it 300 grand and 78 it was yeah it was 300 grand and 78 that's exactly Three, right. 300,000 yep 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 and mm-hmm. uh 20,000 of that was for Donald Pleasance <laughs> yeah and we, we don't know if the story is true but you know why he signed on right I don't know if I know the story his daughter, he told John Carpenter that I wasn't originally going to do this, but my daughter listened to your soundtrack from Assault on Precinct 13 and loved it. So I'm doing this out of a favor to her. But who knows Perfect. if it's true, him just breaking stones. But, um, <laughs> and Christopher Lee says it's his biggest regret not playing Dr. Loomis. They offered it to him first. Wow. There's so, no yeah, that's, that's crazy. It's awesome. Probably yeah. my favorite actors in all time. He's, he's great. And I, I think, you know, Kat, to your original point, this movie is definitely an essential movie. I mean, my mom, who doesn't even like horror movies at all, hates them, we'll watch, to be honest. Yeah, we'll watch this. Yeah. Loves this movie. Watches it every year with my dad. Yeah. Um, and I, I think Michael Myers, or I should say The Shape, is probably... I think the best horror villain of all time. He's an arguably, the, arguably the most, yeah. arguably the most yeah. iconic. From head you know? to toe, then boo you, Andrew! Get out of here! Get out of here! Hey, look, er- I think every podcast has an Andrew with this. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I do, and that's fine. That's fine. It's not for everybody. Like you know, I, you know, I I've heard people love or hate this film, and uh, it it has really no middle ground on it if you think about it. Yeah, um, but, like it's it's very simple. It's but what the effect on pop culture that so look, yeah. there's no Friday the Thirteenth without Halloween and there's no Halloween without Black Christmas. That's the truth of the matter because Erwin Yablon saw Black Christmas and then wrote the Babysitter Murders and that's when Carpenter was hired and they changed it to Halloween. And again, let's go back to the female influence in this. Deborah Hill had such uh, gravity on the interactions in this film because most of the dialogue in this film is done by women except for Donald Pleasance all the dialogue is done by women and Deborah Hill is because of that they named the town after the town she grew up in in New Jersey like she was John's girlfriend at the time but she is one of the greatest producers in Hollywood history in my opinion 
know that. I couldn't. I couldn't agree more. Andrew and I actually talked about her because we last week we did Halloween three season of the witch and her and Carpenter produced that and we talked about her. So, no. Nah. Now we're talking about Halloween. We're talking about season of the witch. I, I know. I know. This is a perfect segue on to you, Andrew. So why don't you go ahead and give us your next uh, Andrew deep cut movie, yes. my friend? The floor deep is yours, Andrew. So I've, I've I've thought a lot about this, and to me, you can't do one of these top three without speaking of Stephen King. And uh, there's a lot of Stephen King movies that get a lot of no notoriety. But to me, a movie that never gets talked about is The Dark Half, um, directed by George Romero, starring Timothy Hutton. And uh, that movie's amazing. Like, it's so deep, it's so dark, it's so twisted. And... I love that movie, and it's one of the movies I not that I've ever read. Let's not get this wrong. I've never read any Stephen King books, but this one is truest to his books from what I've heard. So, The Dark Half for me is a movie that if you haven't seen it, you should watch it because it's it's like one of those like perfectly made for TV movies, but a little bit better. That's all. That's all I got. I'll never forget the brain surgery. Oh, that's like one, like one of the best scenes in the movie. Like, <laughs> also like, uh, what is it with the sparrows? Or the they have like that comment, like when the birds come or something like that. When the sparrow, like, that's so good. I love that movie. It's so dark, so twisted. Yeah, I mean, you you definitely were talking about this movie when when we were watching uh, *Malignant* recently because yeah. you. Uh, I mean, kind of similar like it plays off the same thing with like the coma and the uh conjoined twins like i feel like this movie was a huge inspiration for malignant and if james wan doesn't want to give it credit then that's on him but kind of stole from it so that's all i'm gonna say also i mean so george romero and stephen king were very very good friends yeah, as evidenced by making the dark half, making Creep Show. So I feel like the dark half, like Creep Show, is the one that's a little bit more famous. Dark yeah. half definitely flies under the radar. So I would say if you've not seen that movie, it's definitely uh, one you should check out. Mike, right? I'm sorry. Have you read the dark half? Because you read a lot. I, of I have not actually read the dark half. I've read most Stephen King things. I have not read the dark half though. Tony, have you? Uh, we can't hear you, Tony. I'm back now. There we uh, are. <laughs> I, can, I cannot. I am one of my big regrets is because I have so many uh, friends who are massive Stephen King fans and should be in the whole world should be. I have yet to read a Stephen King book. Wow. wow. Oh my God! I know. And I, as you as you dodge and avoid all the tomatoes being thrown at you and everything, yeah. <laughs> I want to. I want to. I just have to get rid of like one or two of my forty-seven jobs. I know. I know. You're you're a busy guy, so I don't I don't begrudge you there. Okay. No, it honestly creating is uh, it's such a, a different world now, and uh, but at the same time. Everyone should read the books before they see the movie. Or even if you just saw the movie, go read the book. Seriously, my, Mary Shelley's, like we were talking about her, go read them. Yeah. My recommendation for you, Tony, start with Salem's Lot or The Shining. Those are my two favorite Stephen King books. And his short stories are fantastic. I read The Green Mile, but it's kind of a chore. 
but it's yeah, really green good. green miles long. A lot a lot of King stuff is long. Really like the, the yeah. stand when you look at that, you pick it up, you're like Jesus Christ. Oh, it's unbelievably when you yeah, it's huge. Oh yeah, <laughs> I actually think that that was the the when I the slam the brakes moment for me. I was in the bookstore yeah. and I remember I had to read War and Peace in high school, and I went. I can't do this again. No, you're intimidating. Forget <laughs> it. Never mind. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it wouldn't have been as acclaimed if it went under war. What is it good for? <laughs> war. What is it good for? <laughs> Another Seinfeld reference from Andrew. Wouldn't be a show without one of those. All right, so let's keep rolling here. I will. Uh, I'll give you guys my next monster movie pick, and this is going to be one that's that's no surprise to anybody here. Uh, anyone that knows me, anyone that has listened to this podcast. Uh, knows about my love of Jaws. Tony, and I know you're a huge fan as well. Uh, Jaws has had such an impact on my life. It's it's hard to understate how much of an impact it's had. It's arguably my favorite movie of all time. Probably this or Goodfellas. Um, if I had to coin flip, it's probably Jaws because I've, I've seen them both a million times, but I, I can quote them both at will. I don't know. It, it, I still don't know to this day. Uh, Jaws was arguably the first summer blockbuster movie, and it launched Steven Spielberg into the stratosphere. And I, I think now, you know, Jaws came out in 19, what, 78? Uh, we're in twenty, the year of our Lord, 2021. While there may be movies that scare me more now, I don't know if there's ever been a movie that has terrified me more viscerally to my core, scared the absolute ever-living shit out of me, aside from one other movie that I'll talk about in a few minutes, than Jaws. Uh, <laughs> it is It is famously made people afraid of the ocean and afraid of sharks. Um, to the point where Peter Benchley, who wrote Jaws, was apologetic for the fact that he wrote the novel because he created such a scare about sharks that he actually felt bad because people were hunting them, scared of them. Um, so it made people terrified of sharks. And the plot of the movie is entirely plausible. This is not a supernatural movie where, like, you know, there's ghosts and all this shit. Jaws is entirely plausible. And anyone who has seen Jaws and has been out in the ocean above their head that has not thought about the threat of a shark, I say to you, sir or madam or they, you are full of shit because it's not, I mean, it's not as if a shark has never eaten anybody before. So, you know, like this could happen. And it has not only some of the most iconic scenes in a horror movie of all time, some of the most iconic movie scenes of all time. I mean, you're going to need a bigger boat. That line, by the way, was ad-libbed. Roy Scheider's reaction to the shark was real, as he was not told that shark was going to be popping out of the water. Uh, Quint's USS Indianapolis monologue scene, iconic. And then, obviously, the opening scene with Chrissy Watkins getting killed. Unbelievable. And, you know, again, my... my uh, <laughs> My testament here is that it's not one of the greatest horror movies ever made. It's one of the greatest movies ever made. If you're a fan of film in general, not just horror film, Jaws, if you haven't seen it, I mean, A, what the fuck are you doing? Go watch Jaws. Drop what you're doing. <laughs> Stop listening to our podcast now. It's the only time I'll ever say this and go watch Jaws. And it also, uh, one of the greatest movie scores ever created and kind of launched 
uh, John Williams career uh, from there. So, so uh, I, 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 can, I can wax, I can whack, wax poetically and nostalgic, nostalgically. If I can only speak about Jaws all day, I feel like I've talked long enough. You guys have at it, Tony. I know you're a huge fan. Cat, Andrew, go for it. I can say the um the the worst part about Jaws for me was I didn't actually watch Jaws until I started dating Mike because. I never wanted to watch Jaws because I liked going out in the ocean and Green Harbor over my head and like didn't just wanted to enjoy being naive to like everything in the water. <laughs> and then all of a sudden Mike's like, you should watch Jaws. And I watched it and I was like, well, thank you. Now, um, you know, in my thirties, I never want to go over my head in the ocean ever again. And you've ruined my entire <laughs> experience. I'm but sorry about that, but no. I mean, it's a it's a great movie. So, you know, it's a great movie, but it is also very like very realistic. But I I do yeah I appreciated it as an older adult like watching that movie as long as I put it off. But yeah yeah. yeah. So I also have a confession to make here. Um, I am a 34, soon to be 35 year old man that's lived in Massachusetts my entire life, and I've never in my life been to Martha's Vineyard or Nantucket ever uh tony i know that you have been to the vineyard and you have <laughs> well, seen where this movie was filmed why don't you talk do, to us a little bit about that i just don't i want to build you up here young man because you're a sure. young pup and uh <laughs> i did not get to mark this vineyard until 2019 so do not feel bad about that but the great part was we have this wonderful thing called the internet and google maps and um and a you know, for better or worse, social media, which we're on today, and we're using this tool for the better right now. Um, there's a few Jaws um, community pages on Facebook, and I was able to meet a few people on that. And there's some, like, one of the things I love to do, thanks to people like Sean Clark. Uh, I think anybody who has watched bonus material on any of the Shell Factory movies or goes to a convention, his convention, All Stars Company, or watches his podcast, uh, The Thing with Two Heads with Chris Nelson, the Academy Award-winning special effects artist. I watched Sean long before that because he was one of the first people to do movie locations. Like, you can find them. They're free. There's no admission. You know, it, it's, it's kind of a treasure hunt. And to know we have this kind of a treasure hunt in our backyard um, really drew me to going to the vineyard. I honestly, I probably would have never gone to Martha's Vineyard uh, if Jaws was never made. I would have been here or there. It's a beautiful place. I love going there. But to actually, uh, uh, most of this stuff hasn't changed. I mean, sure, some erosion here and there. But State Beach, where Alex Kittner was eaten. And folks, Alex Kittner, Jeffrey Voorhees is his real name is one of the owners of the Wharf Pub in Edgartown, Massachusetts. No relation and, to Jason Voorhees, by the way? No, well, I, it all comes, it, it, we get influenced everywhere, right? <laughs> so if you go to Martha's Vineyard, go to the Wharf Pub, which is a stone's throw away from the ferry where the mayor approached Chief Brody at the beginning uh, and their political influence uh, told him to not report it as a shark attack. You can do all of these things and go on all of those rides for free. Well, the ferry's a couple bucks, but you get my gist. Um, and also go to the Wharf Pub. Say hi to Jeffrey Voorhees. He has special T-shirts made up. Like, I'm still alive. He has an incredible Facebook page. 
but Jaws, what it has done to the fabric of America. Uh, I don't, we could dedicate two hours to that, but we don't have the time, but I will show you one of my most prized possessions from Jaws. My good friend, Dana, who I met on those Facebook pages, um, gave me this a couple years ago. Oh, is that a and piece of the orca? That is a piece of the orca, the sinkable one. There were two wow. of them. That's so, so this awesome. is actually a piece of the the stunt orca, the one that was designed to sink at the end so in Catama cool. Bay. Um, and the first one, I do think we all know the story tragically about what happened to the first orca at Universal Studios. Um, Steven Spielberg used to go down to it. It was on the tour. Do you remember the Jaws ride at Universal? You could actually go on it. Um, oh, I remember it well. He used to go down to it and sit in it when he wanted to reflect or he was having like writer's cramp, something like that. And he used to sit in the hull and think about it. And then one day he went down and it was gone. And he's like, where is this? And it was cut into pieces and thrown away in the back lot. That's that's, that's such. Yeah, I, I've heard that story before. It, it's just, also heard that uh, Spielberg was was furious about that. One one would think right, one would rightfully so. Yeah, but I don't want to monopolize all the time on this subject because we all have uh, nothing but well, adoration that's, because that's, this is outside of horror. This is one of totally, the greatest totally films fine. ever made. But I mean, Carl, you Carl know, Gottlieb it's... helped save that movie. Carl Gottlieb wrote the USS Indianapolis scene. Um, he wrote all the jokes in it. Uh, brilliant mind. He's still with us. He always is. He's he's an affable man to speak with. If you ever get a chance to chat with him, please do it. Okay, okay. Cat and I have a uh, a very nostalgic experience for the uh, the Jaws ride at Universal uh, Studios in Orlando, specifically because the uh, the first vacation that we ever took together was to Universal Studios in Florida when we first started dating uh, over ten years ago, and uh, it closed shortly after we went. And it was one of my uh, lifelong dreams to ride that ride. We did uh, just a couple months before it closed, and that ride was and we both have pictures. fantastic. We have pictures like inside. I definitely have a picture inside the shark of like me, like half of my body is like inside of that. Oh shark yeah, I have one too. I have one too. Yep, I have one too. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Universal was pretty awesome too. As was that. King Kong ride at Universal and oh, Earth. Yeah. Oh, confrontation. Oh yeah. yeah, we could even we could do a whole podcast on confrontation and Jaws the ride for sure. Yeah, great. One rides. more thing before we go, there's a comment in here from Dennis Burke that says Jaws made me afraid to swim in swimming pools. Oh, I Al alligator alligator did that to me. Yep, <laughs> that's also a scary movie. Yep, there was a scene where a kid got pushed in the pool by his friends on Halloween, and they didn't realize the alligator was in there and it ate him. So yeah. I doubled down on my fear. The shark. <laughs> All of a sudden, sharks and crocodiles or alligators were in a pool. Uh, don't forget python snakes. Those, yep. No thanks. Yep. yep. <laughs> Terrifying. All right, Tony, we're going to go on to you now here for a uh, for another classic horror movie. But before I do, I just I have to say uh, thank you to everyone who has been commenting and asking questions. Dennis, thank you. Maria, thank you. Thomas, thank you for watching and commenting. We uh, we do appreciate the support and you guys thank tuning you in. Did. Yeah. So I feel like, Tony, your next pick here is probably going to uh, tie a little bit into the poster that we saw earlier. Why don't you uh, talk to us about your next movie, my friend? Well, I mean, it 
it's kind of funny how things work out because there is an era in film in the atomic era. Um, you know, we could go into sci-fi films all day, but in the 1950s, um, films were taking it to the next level. You heard a smell of vision, things like that. The gimmicks around films in the fifties could have their own documentary. And I think that William Castle is at the front of the line with that. Uh, William Castle brought made the tingler with Vincent Price, but he also made house on uh, haunted Hill and house on haunted Hill with Vincent Price is literally the template um, for uh, haunted house films and whodunits. I brought up clue earlier. I don't think clue would be as effective a film as it is without films like house on haunted Hill influencing it. Um, and so one of the gimmicks that William Castle did, I think, have you folks heard about what he did with the tingler that like every four seats, there would be a buzzer under a seat. And at one part in that film, they break the fourth wall. And for those who don't know what that means is it means that they take the film, they pretend to be in the world that they're in and they come out to you. And somebody says, I think the tingler just went out into the audience and people would start getting freaked out and there'd be buzzers under certain seats and it would freak them out. House and Haunted Hill also did that. Um, I don't know how many people are familiar with it, but there's a, a scene in it where a skeleton comes out of the acid bath in the basement. At that exact time, William Castle said, okay, every theater in the country would have a black box set up next to the screen with a skeleton inside of it on a string and would swing it out into the crowd. So literally coming right out to you and people would freak. They would also hire in a few cities, a female actress to get up and scream. She was a plant in the audience. She would jump up, scream, pass out. And then when the skeleton in the film, Vincent Price was actually operating a piece of machinery on ropes to operate that skeleton they would wheel it back into that box. So they made the audience and broke the fourth wall, much like Spooky World did. Spooky World would have its actors come out at you, haunt you, scare you. and But for the kids who were afraid, like in our poster, they would have the uh, glow necklaces on, so they were in safe space. But uh, what that film did for haunted house movies, to this day, you can trace it back to House on Haunted Hill. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's definitely one where if you haven't seen it, you, you kind of need to, I feel like that's the, I mean, one of, if not the essential Vincent Price films. I have a quick question for Anthony. Mm-hmm. We don't, it doesn't need, it doesn't require a response. It just requires a yes or no. So you love Vincent Price movies, correct? Dr. Fibes. Have you seen that movie? Because <laughs> who hasn't? Ah, look at that. Poodle sure are tasty. Oh, that movie, probably my favorite Vincent Price movie. And that's because it's weird. It's messed up. It's a, That movie is so messed up on so many levels. And it was brilliant. And I think that's one of the things about Vincent Price was he didn't pigeonhole himself in like, you know, and, and we, I have a soft spot for Lugosi. We brought it up earlier, but Lugosi was like, I'm Dracula all the time, 24 seven. Now price um, just adapted. I mean, even to um, oh, what was that film in the late seventies? I love it. The monster club. Have you seen that? 
Monster uh, Monster Club, yeah, I would say, yeah. Monster yeah. Club, not it, it was uh, like a disco murder who done it, and Vincent was like in his mid to late seventies, um, with a laundry list of other classic actors, and it was just based around a disco thing. But Price was, he had tongue in cheek, and I think that every Vincent Price movie, especially in a warped way with the abominable Doctor Phoebes, he had his tongue firmly planted in his cheek, and it made it even more scary. Oh yeah. He was awesome in that movie. I love that movie. It's so good. And the second one's good too, even though that's terrible, but still good. Probably a good time to bring up um, if you haven't at this point subscribed to Spooky 101, which is uh, Tony's podcast leading up to the release of Spooky World, the movie. Uh, I would highly recommend that you do that. In fact, I don't recommend. I order you, if you're a listener of America's Home Tower Horror, go and subscribe to that podcast right now because the last episode that they actually released, uh, they interviewed the daughter of Vincent Price, Victoria Price, and having listened to it, it is an awesome interview and a, uh, a very candid peek into the life of that man and not only his life, but his daughter's life as well. And uh, the influence that they had on David Bertolino and Spooky World. And of what, course. It's of course. amazing how it helped give birth to it and now as we're telling the story he just dropped his presence just drops itself in again and helps us be um a focal point to tell it because one of the things we're having an issue with i mean obviously the 90s like like we, i've told you before not everybody has one of these nobody had one in the 90s so yeah. you were slave to finding uh vhf uh a vhs footage so a lot of it we uh Matthew Hopkins, Witchfinder, Dustin Barkas just chopped it. <laughs> Love that film. Absolutely. Yeah, buddy. Um, but yeah, boy, Dustin. But what we're doing now, and thanks to Vincent Price and his estate, is uh, when you finally see some of the things and some of the words that we're incorporating from Vincent Price into our film and how perfectly they fit in, you're going to be like, this makes sense now. This makes absolute sense. Why didn't I think of it? And once I I, st I have goosebumps, I can't wait to show you something in a few minutes, folks. Oh, my God. I'm really, so excited. Yeah. I'm so excited. All right. I know we have a few more movies to talk about before we get into that. So why don't we keep going? Catherine, how are you? Ready to talk about another slasher? Sorry. I forgot I was going to That's okay. All right. Catherine, what's your last ascent, uh, last essential slasher movie, my friend? So uh, my last movie is going to be a curveball. Um, it's going to be a little wild card. Um, it's a present day slasher movie, which kind of goes against a lot of the regular horror slasher movies. Um, and it is a movie that we watched when we first subscribed to Shudder, which is called Haunt. So that was a movie um i don't think we've talked about it on our podcast yet but it was out in 2019 and um it was directed by scott beck and brian woods um it was set on halloween night it's kind of the whole vibe of like a bunch of teenagers drive by this like construction sign that says haunted house this way and they kind of just follow it they kind of take the bait and whatever and they get into this haunted house and they find out that it's not really just a haunted house. It's very realistic. I won't go too much into detail because I feel like I want people to watch it because I know a lot of people are waiting to see like new horror movies and to see 
now that it's a spooky season, you want to have things to watch. So I kind of want this to be more of a, um, I, I have you guys, I mean, besides my Andrew, did you or like Tony, have you guys seen haunt on, um, shutter? We watched, we watched this with Andrew cat. So Andrew has oh, seen it as well. Andrew, yeah. But Tony, have you seen haunt? Thanks to you. I just did. Oh. I, watched, I watched it, um, the other day. Yeah. And I said, Hmm, let me give this a shot. I might as well make use of my subscription to Shutter, which I always do for Joe Bob. At least, they. And by the way, Shutter's doing an amazing job at everything they do. Um, Shutter rocks. Hat, they're, they're amazing. And by the way, this film, I have seen some crap haunted house films, it's and we all rocks, have. Right? Yeah. This film was actually very, very good. Yeah. I enjoyed Haunt. I really did. Because a lot of films are guilty about uh, over embellishing on the redneck juggalo aspect of things, like kind of playing into what Mike was saying, the things that you don't see are the scariest. And they held back on revealing the faces of these guys for nearly the whole film. Exactly. And I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And the, the, uh, the traps that they had, brilliant. And the use yeah. of and, yeah. and at points taking light out of it and utilizing limited resources like her flashlight, yeah. the claustrophobia that that brought into it was perfect. Oh yeah, the whole I feel like the whole movie was just like very well done, and it was very well done for now because I feel like a lot of things that are done now are kind of cheesy, and this was kind of like it brought you back a little bit where you're just like, okay, well this is kind of an old school kind of feel to it with kind of some new school twists. So it, it, I, I enjoyed it a lot. I would watch it again. I haven't watched it probably. in. I think we watched it when it first came out, but we did. And we watched it, it again yeah. with Andrew after the fact. So we've seen it at least twice. I would say yeah, it's awesome. Looks, looks like we have a listener who agrees with us. Uh, yes. Scott Toomey <laughs> says uh haunt is amazing. So yeah, nice, it's, nice it's, choice. It's Catherine. Movie. So definitely, I mean, check it out this season. If you're looking for a spooky movie to all of our listeners, definitely check it out. It's a good slasher. I, I think from I co-sign. Yeah. That. Yep. <laughs> I, I concur. I concur as well. But I think the the good thing about this movie. Go ahead, Andrew. You go first. I'll let you go first. Um, I just I just think like you know when you when you this time of year you're you're talking about and you're thinking about going to haunted attractions, and this kind of takes that like urge and sense and makes it a scary thing, right? Like, what if you go to a haunted house? And it's real. They're actually trying to kill you. What if you go to a haunted house and there's a hound dog upstairs that barks and screams when you try and podcast? That's also a possibility. Thanks, Otis. But yeah, it, haunts haunts a great movie uh, produced by Eli Roth, which I have uh, varying mixed opinions on Eli Roth. I'm not the the biggest fan. I know certain people are, but uh, this is a good movie. I agree, hundred percent. Andrew, go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I was just agreeing with what you guys said. That's literally all I had. That's it. Yeah, you better agree. You better agree, bro. Right. Agree. <laughs> Don't agree to disagree. By the way, the, 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 uh, the guy in the comments, Scott Toomey, who also said it's amazing, you folks are going to be seeing him coming up in the uh, Spooky World film. He is one of our children who grew up in Berlin because um, Scott actually, Scott gave me the Iggy on how to appropriately, appropriately pronounce the name of it's not berlin like germany it's berlin 
Merlin. And, uh, I'd like to thank Scott Merlin. for educating me on that. But Scott grew up with Spooky World as his backyard. And we're going to hear his story and how cool that is to literally have that as your playground in your, in your backyard. Scott, I look forward to hearing your story, my friend. All righty. Andrew, why don't you give us your last deep cut, my friend? Uh, it's so hard. I had to like boil it down to like two. So I'm going to give you two because I can't give one. I'm going to do it real quick. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, I know. So 1990s Nightbreed. It's a Clive Barker movie. Um, it's really fucking weird. It's like this guy that gets killed and he ends up in the cemetery and he starts partaking with these creatures that live in the cemetery and they're battling back against like a psychiatrist, I think, who is played by David Cronenberg. He's like the serial killer in this movie. And he does a great job. The mask is awesome. It's a really weird movie. And it's it's highly underrated. I feel like this movie gets a lot of shit for a lot of reasons that I don't understand. So I would watch that. Okay, so real quick. So now, uh, 2014 Starry Eyes. I think you should see that movie. It's uh, To me, it's like a borderline, like, uh, giallo, like Italian horror film. To me, like, I feel like it plays along those lines. Um it's about this girl who is trying to make her way up in Hollywood and get these roles. And she does a lot of stuff that has been attributed to like the Weinstein character. So it's a really weird, uncomfortable, unsettling type of movie. The Me Too movement. Yeah, but it's really well done. Uh, so I would recommend both those movies. I don't want to give anything away because to me, like, if I'm going to talk about a movie, I just want you to watch it. So I'll give you, like, a basic on it. So just watch it. They're both very good. Okay. Excellent. That the top of my list for this fall. Which one? Uh, Starry Eyes. Yeah. you got to watch it. Yeah. Starry, Eyes is, Starry mm -hmm. Eyes is great. It's very good. And also, um, Tony, have you seen Dr. Sleep? I'm sure you have. I did. I was actually very happy with how that turned out. And um, so I had the I had the crib notes on this. So she actually is in Dr. Sleep. So I'm like, okay. Correct. Okay. Yeah, I would say the, the actress that is the main character in Starry Eyes plays Wendy Torrance in Dr. Sleep. And she looks just like her. Crazy. Yeah. When I thought, I said, yeah, yeah. I was blown away. That, that was done. So I was, another tip my cap to Netflix. I mean well done on that yeah. absolutely tony uh before before we uh go on here it's uh it was also brought to my attention that uh a very good friend of catherine designed the hat that you're wearing tonight oh really uh she works for 47 brand her name that is uh jen yep and uh the hat you're wearing tonight she designed i have that in the psl one so thank you I think she did both. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> okay. look at that. It, it, like, yeah. It's kind of amazing how these things just uh, come full circle happen. all the time. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I love it. It's one of my favorite hats for the season. Jen, Jen's awesome. She's a big supporter of our show and a great friend. And she also uh, made the koozies that we have for our yeah. show, which, uh, Jen, we need I have some more one of those, too. by the way. Yes, yeah, we need, we need some more of those. You do have one of those. Scott again, Starry Eyes and the Neon Demon would make a great double feature. Uh, oh, having not seen the Neon Demon, I know you've recommended it to me a number of times. I'm sure it would. Thoughts, Andrew? Yeah, but it's, 
kind of up there with like, see, you don't really like Velvet Buzzsaw or um, Velvet Buzzsaw sucked. That movie sucked. I'm sorry. Um, um, Nocturnal Animals. That's really good too. You should watch that. Similar okay. style. All right. Fair enough. Not just because Jake Gyllenhaal's in it, but it's just it's very subtle. I like those types of movies that are just like. I love me some Gyllenhaal. Hall. I love me some Gyllenhaal. And uh, my favorite, I think, my favorite Gyllenhaal movie is a movie we covered in our show called Prisoners. Fantastic movie. Fantastic, fantastic, fantastic. All right. So why don't I uh, why don't I bring it home here with my final creature feature movie, our final monster movie, and. I, you know, again, these three movies that I'm talking about, they're all kind of interchangeable to me, but I saved this one for last uh, because I think for my money, which is an expression that I've used a couple times tonight, Ridley Scott's Alien is the scariest movie ever made. And the Alien, the Xenomorph, to me, is the scariest, if not one of the most iconic movie monsters of all time. Uh, this movie is essentially a slasher movie set in space, but I feel like that is a, an oversimplification. This movie is about a lot of things, but that, if you boil it down, that is essentially what this movie is. Um... Now, with that being said, most people that watch slashers, obviously slashers are Cat's favorite type of horror movies, right? You know, people that watch slashers yell at the TV, like, you know, get out of the house. Like, why are you doing that? Turn the lights on, you fucking moron. Like, what are you doing? Get out of the house. Why are they still here? This movie solves that problem. They don't get out of the house. They don't go anywhere because they can't. They're in space, and in space, no one can hear you scream. And it's just such a gritty movie. I feel like in the 70s, space was presented in a couple of different, very contrastable ways. So if you think about like Kubrick's a space odyssey 2001 a space odyssey right that's a very white collar space movie okay it's very beautifully shot beautifully done alien is presented in a very blue collar gritty way like everyone that's on that ship they are blue collar workers this is a company where like they are the grunts of this company right and the whole the whole thing is just so gory and so uncomfortable and I just love everything about Alien. And I know I mentioned with Jaws being viscerally terrified. And I think Alien, aside from Jaws, probably the most viscerally I've ever been scared in my entire life. Again, thank you, Dad, for uh, showing this to me when I was essentially way too young. <sighs> my God, this movie fucked me up so hard. Oh, my God. Uh, when the, the, the chest burster scene among a bunch of other iconic scenes, I mean, holy shit. I remember where I was the first time I saw the chest burster scene. I, I thought everything was good. I thought that thing, the, the, the face hugger that was attached to John Hurt's face, I thought nothing was going to come from that. I mean, it died and it fell off. And then all of a sudden they're having dinner. They're chilling. They're relaxing. They're hanging out. They're laughing. And then everything goes gets so much worse. It just gets so much worse. 
And I don't think I slept for about a week after that. It 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 is a movie about being being violated, uh, and it's just it's so scary, it's so weird. It's it's like it nothing had ever been done like Alien when that movie came out. I stand by that, and I think it gives you the best final girl in the history of horror movies and Ellen Ripley. And I, uh, absolutely fight me because she's, she's the best. So alien, I I could talk about and, And you know, remarkably given my love for alien, this is one movie that we actually have not dedicated an entire episode on our show about. So that's coming. We, we have, we're going to do a guess with that. Go ahead. Absolutely. Take the floor, please. I would love to join, uh, that one. Um, uh, I, I I don't know where to start, but I'll just say Geiger, Ridley Scott, Sigourney Weaver, home, um, and also not telling your cast when a practical effect is about to go off. Yep. Oh my God. Yeah, they all they all look terrified. Yeah, Geiger's it's... art and influence on that film um, just is mind blowing. And if anybody wants to do a deep dive into this. Um, there's numerous stories around the internet about the difficulty that Dan O'Bannon had, um, with bringing this story, uh, to the silver screen, a lot of politics getting involved in that. That's another story you might like, Andrew, if that's your cup of tea, Um, it it was tough getting this thing brought into production, but I uh, check Mark cosign, you name it alien for me. And I'm a diehard Halloween fan, but alien may be one of maybe a perfect horror film. Oh, it 100% it is. There's no doubt about it. Uh, there's few. That's like the only reason that one is a top horror film for me is because it involves science fiction with it. And to me, if you can do that, then it's perfect. That's why it's better than Halloween. Michael Myers, go fuck yourself. There's a fucking Xena, a xenophobe. Not a as, as a monster movie guy, <laughs> I, I don't know if there is a a movie antagonist that I prefer more than the alien. No, an alien. I I don't know if there's one. I mean, and you know, I feel like this movie is so minimalist and obviously like in the future, they kind of took the sequels in different directions, right? James Cameron's aliens is also a fantastic movie. Alien is the superior movie. Yes. I don't care what anybody says. That's that's the superior movie to me. But um, I feel like, you know, when you get into, you call it the xenomorph. Okay. I think it's better called the alien. The movie is called Alien. It's about something that is alien. Something that is alien in a particular atmosphere. It's about the workers on the spaceship in space everything is so like vague it, it's just it's just it's perfect it's a, it is a perfect movie in every way shape or form and we will talk about alien i would say someday very soon i would say probably next april when it's alien day so tony yeah, you're obviously welcome that. to come back at that point schedule yeah. is clear unless um something i'm about to announce takes up my time. <laughs> well i i i you know you are such a pro my friend because that is a perfect a perfect segue so for those of you that have hung on for this uh episode so far 
I think Tony has something very special that we want to reveal before we log off. Now, Tony, I'll ask you, do you want to uh, have this be the last thing people see or do you want to comment on it after we watch it? Or do you well, want to just talk now and then leave it with people to end the show with? All right. So I want, there's actually, I've, there's two more bullets in the chamber tonight. So this is the second. Okay. So, okay. Uh, the, okay. I, yeah. You, I, thank you for your, first of all, this was outstanding. I had such fun doing this and to look at who's commenting in here. You've got David Bertolino. You got Scott Toomey. You've got Quinn, the director who just co-signed on alien and uh, we've got my better half, Maria. Thanks. Nice to see you. Uh, love you. You're down. What's up, Maria? <laughs> so, Maria's yes. Fun. Yes, Scott Toomey, your question I'm answering right now. We have two. Actually, I'm going to give you a fourth. How about that? My so God. before right. before we play this clip, actually, you know what? You've been waiting long enough. You've been waiting three years. Roll that beautiful bean footage. Let's see it. All right. Let's do it. Hold on. This is your first clip from Spooky World, the movie. Here we go. And that's it. David decided there was a need for a hayride and explored a few places, one in New Jersey. So I flew out and I was on the back of the hay wagon, watched this terrible show that they put on. These actors sat on lawn chairs, smoking or barely even getting out of their seat. It was so terrible, it was funny. So David came home, all fired up and excited. I'm game for this. I want to go back. I want to talk to this guy again. He created the concept of actors in full costumes and makeup who could interact with the hayride and embellish the experience, but in a safe way. It would be a perfect fit for us because we were in the Halloween business. I started looking for locations. We had the costumes, we had the makeup, and we had the expertise and knowledge. So I drove to every highway exit coming from Boston to the western suburbs and really spent some serious time searching for the right location. I managed to find a place that was a former dairy farm on about six acres of land in Berlin, Massachusetts, 25 miles west of downtown Boston. It had a beautiful looking barn, but a bit dilapidated, but I could see the beauty in restoring it, along with fields surrounding it if we needed parking, and a huge brick house built in late 1700s, a really spectacular home on the route of Paul Revere. This beautiful property in Berlin that just seemed to be the dream place. We called it the pig. I love every second of that. It's so good. Did that end when it was supposed to, Tony? It did. It did. Okay. Uh, the, okay. We, got, we were able to shoehorn Mac, Mac McDermott in there. If you're watching okay. Mac, we hope you like it. So but, I, I was, I thought it was going on a little bit longer. I was literally uh, of the four-word text I was about to send you behind the, <laughs> the scenes, Tony. I, I wrote, this is fucking, and I was about to write incredible, and then it ended because, oh, my God, that's so, so cool. It was awesome. I know. I, it definitely leaves you wanting more. You're just like, oh. I just want to keep going. Yeah. Well, Absolutely. I, I, these are all the things that Quinn and David these this is the moment we wanted you folks to see 
and to because you know we can have a spooky 101 podcast all we want with incredible interviews with wonderful people who we have more stories to tell but everybody wants to see the movie everybody's like when are we going to see a clip well there's a clip yeah and it's awesome and there's more and there's more that's imminent there there Um, is yeah we you know uh, the past three years this we had david quinn and i had talked about it in this film in a perfect world in a non-2020 world which is carried over into 2021 could have been out last year could have been out this fall but um you know there's a lot of silver linings out there uh to what's been going on with the world and some of those time delays have allowed some people that we really wanted to show up on this film to actually lend their voice to the story and the Vincent Price um, estate coming on board. A lot of these things just came in. And when these things started falling, these dominoes started falling, you know, it wasn't just, Hey, we like your film. Um, Do you want to, do you want to have it on our service? It wasn't just one knock. It's multiple knocks, which has caused us to go, oh, I think we have something here. So it's October. We want to show you something. But I've been told by David today that, you know, as we come out of those uh, long winter months, you know, Halloween isn't just October. I know for all of us, Halloween's all year long. So how about, we give you a date now. How about oh March? baby, oh how, baby, and it's it's not Halloween. There's plenty of things to distract you on Halloween. How about we give you March of 2022 to watch the entirety of the Spooky World film, and we're going to hold off on saying where it's going to be as our next reveal in the near future. I'm, uh, I'm all about it. I like the teaser. You, you like the teaser. You like you liked the minute forty. I love. Oh. Well, I loved every second of that. Well, then I think that you folks earned yourself a little bit more. Oh, I was um, hoping you would say that. So, how would you like a little over six minutes? Oh, oh man! All right. Yeah. So, um, folks, it weren't. It's not just a film that goes into this. It's a team. Um, David Bernalino believed in me, believed in his best friend, Quinn, who has worked tirelessly through sickness and good health to make this thing come to fruition. Um, Bill Tataglia, burning the midnight oil, putting this, uh, what I'm about to show you together and helping behind the scenes, filming some of the remote scenes in Massachusetts. Um, Jen Wolfson, many people have helped put this together and uh folks i'm about to share the screen here because we have we have a home for spooky world the movie uh that you can go to uh outside of our social media and it's coming on your screen right about now folks www.spookyworldthemovie.com and oh, you, baby. And as that, there's that iconic, and I'm going to say it now because this is an iconic uh, teaser one sheet. 
we are using now for our website from executive producer Tom Savini, Spooky World the Movie. And if you scroll down and click right here, I'll just tap that. Is that working on your end, Tony? It is. On okay. yours? Uh, I got it now. It, you do? I was going to say, I have no sound. Okay. Let's try that again. How about now? No? Nothing yet, no. All right, you know Sorry what? Sorry for the technical difficulty, guys. Bear with us here. All We're right, trying folks. to do this live. You know what? Here's the even better part. Go on your own to the website tonight. Click on coming spring of 2022, and you are going to be rewarded with six-plus minutes of a preview of this film. I, I couldn't agree more. And uh, obviously, you know, I, I, I know we, uh, we've been going for a while here. Tony was gracious enough to share this with us uh, ahead of this podcast. That's sizzle reel. My God. Oh. <laughs> the second I watched it, I texted him and so I cool. immediately, I was just like, so my God. Awesome. Immediately. I wanted to watch. I, I, I got, I got goosebumps and it, it is just apparent. The muscle and the effort and the energy behind this whole project, which just I'm I couldn't be happier that uh, to to be your podcast partner. And thank you so much thank for coming so much. on our show we and love debuting all this stuff on our show. <laughs> it's unbelievable. We appreciate you so very much. You know, I never, ever, ever thought that uh, when my Uncle Walter took me to Spooky World out in Berlin uh, back in the early 90s, you know, oh, hold on, wait, oh, right there, uh, that, that I would ever be sitting here almost, uh, you know, 20 plus years later talking about this in documentary form. So, Tony, happy to give you a platform and thank you so much for sharing it with us. I, I, I can't thank you enough. And that's is a real is amazing. Like it's it's yeah. Awesome. I can't I can't say like, like the second the se go go to spookyworldthemovie.com right now and watch it. It gets you sizzle reeling. Really. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I want to thank um Quinn Monahan, Gail Jordan, David Bernalino, uh Bill Tataglia, um Jen Wolfson, uh anybody who helped us behind the scenes who inspired me, uh, anybody whose hands touched this in any way, you will be in the credits and have our infinite gratitude, appreciation. And uh, we cannot wait for you to see this feature length film and it's coming soon. And we're going to announce where it's going to be even sooner. I absolutely love it. Well, with that being said, I mean, we've done our reveals, you guys. Uh, we've seen the poster. We've seen the website. We've seen a trailer. You know a sizzle reels out there. I've seen it. Kat and Andrew and I have seen it. It's time for you to go see it. So drop off right now after we say goodbye.
and go watch the scissor reel, sizzle reel, excuse me, for Spooky World of the Movie. But before we say goodbye, I first and foremost want to thank my co-hosts, as always, for being great. But also, I want to say thank you to Tony for coming on and giving us his time because he's one of the busiest guys I've ever met in my fucking life. I mean, honestly, you always have something going on because you're incredibly talented and always got your hands in a million things. So I appreciate you taking the time to come on our show. But uh, Tony, for those who may not know, if they want to follow you or Spooky World the movie, where can they do so on social media, wherever? Where can uh, where can everybody find you guys? Okay, so we have uh, on Twitter uh, Spooky World the One uh, at Spooky World the One. Then on Facebook we have Spooky World the Movie. Uh, on Instagram Spooky World Movie. Uh, on YouTube Spooky World the Movie. Uh, and uh, most importantly, as of right now, this absolutely incredible website SpookyWorldTheMovie.com. Uh, and it's uh, I, I can't believe it's here. I am so grateful. I am so honored to, in some small way, help bring this film out. Uh, David, I'm so happy right now. Quinn, thank you to everybody on America's Hometown Horror. On behalf of everyone at Spooky World, the movie, we appreciate you. We love you. And you're seeing it right there from David Berlino himself. Thank you, folks. Yeah. Love it. So excited about this. Oh, sorry, I was muted. Awesome. Thank so, you, and, David. And I, 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 I appreciate I appreciate you folks accidentally turning this into a long form episode. <laughs> oh, of course, of course. Yeah. I mean, I I kind of had an idea. Yeah, well, we got about yeah. 15 minutes and it's going to be a little bit over an hour. So thanks for giving us two hours, Tony, even though we are, we were originally budgeted for one. Well, now, now Marie and I are going to go get dinner. So she's going to be pumped. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Well, I don't want to, I don't want to keep uh, Maria and your uh, lovely dog waiting. So I'll let you guys go. But I will say first and foremost, I mean, I continue to be uh, thankful to anyone who listens to our show. Thank you very much for tuning into another episode of America's hometown horror. My name is Mike, as you can see by the little tag on the bottom left. I'm the host of the show. I have been joined by my co-hosts, Andrew and Kat, as always. And as Tony said, uh, if you're interested in following more of what we have to say on social media, you can also find us on our website, which is at ahpod.com, A-H-H-P-O-D.com. Uh, you can also find us on YouTube and Facebook. Just go on there and search for America's Hometown Horror and you shall find us. And we're on Twitter at Hometown Horror. We're on Instagram at Hometown Horror Pod. And if you feel so inclined, you can shoot us an email at hometownhorrorpodcast at gmail.com. You can also listen to our show wherever you're listening to our show right now. But uh, on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Spreaker, blah, 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 blah. Wherever else you listen to your podcasts. Thank you again, Tony, for joining our show. I really can't even say how much I appreciate you joining us. Love you all. Thank you so much. And uh, you too, David brother. And Quinn are both thanking you both right now as well. Um, happy Halloween, everyone. I know. Happy yeah. Halloween. Hey, Tony, let's meet up for a pint at the uh, Plymouth BBC very soon. Yes. Absolutely. You got it. Eight First more Halloween. Maria, Maria, you too. Maria, you too. Yes. All right, folks. Say goodbye to your listeners, everybody. Goodbye. Bye. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Halloween and the Silver Shamrock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>